That's a groovy button. What does it say? The button says, All right, Professor, give with the new episode number. Well, it has an 8 in it. <laughs> of course it has an 8, because it's episode 8. Well, then why do you need me giving you the number? That's it. Because you're part of the team, Professor. you got to give me the number. Uh, this is episode 8? Very good, Professor. You can have a cookie this time. Uh, can I have the ones without the raisins in them? Yes, you can have the one without the raisins. You did good, Professor. Thank you. <laughs> the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion! Is he dead and dumb? And with that, we welcome you to episode number... Eight. Of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast. I am Alan... Elba, uh, I am Alan Allen. Uh, help me. I am uh, I, I'm, uh, I am Mexican parking car. Wait a minute. I am Alan, Mexican car park attendant Williams. And I'm Al Charlie Callis, the ice cream man Bigley. It's the best I could do. Hey, not, not bad for thinking on your feet for being so old. That's true too. You know, I, I'm excited about this episode. Except I'm more excited about our next episode. You know why? Why? Because when we do the introduction, I can sit there going, number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. Number nine. But, but you got to remember, you got to do this. number nine. You got, you got to do it like John. Number nine, number nine. All right. Hello, monkey man. Hello, monkey man. Uh, no, the monkeys are like the monkeys are not a music group at all. The monkeys are like the Marx Brothers. And with that, it's nice to see you again, Al. Thank you very much, John. I, here. Uh, Yoko and I are proud. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition. I got blisters on my fingers. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm, I can't top that one. You know, it feels like just, just moments ago we finished the last episode. Al, don't tell them, but because of the magic of being able to edit digitally, we just finished episode 7 about 10 minutes ago. Oh, so it really was just moments ago, but, but they don't have to know that, right? I think I just told them, unfortunately. Eh, I'll edit that out. Don't worry. It'll all be edited out. And that's what you said the last time. Yeah, the burps and the... Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> so, we are back. Yes, you can tell that we're spending time. We're spending multiple hours in the studios at one time because we finally have a chance to get together. So, we're doing multiple episodes. I was going to make a dirty joke about that, but I can't. I better not. <laughs> Don't make me go Perry Mason on you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. All right, enough of that. All right. We don't. We, I don't want to. I don't want them to hear me and Al are doing lousy impressions. So, oh, that's what else will we have for the podcast? Oh, that's true. But it's good to see you. We hope you enjoyed episode seven, our last part of the interview with Coco Dolans, our remix, and talking about justice and pooled it a little bit. So, but uh, it's good to see you again, my friend. As always, Thank we you. have so much fun with you guys. It's too bad we haven't been able to spend much time together. So, well, we make up for it. That's right. We, what we don't, what we lack in quantity, we make up in volume. That's, Something uh, like that. I feel another joke coming on, but I'll let uh, it pass. Thank you very much. No, uh, whoa. Al, did you have to let no, it pass now? <laughs> Seriously. Okay. So, as we discussed last time, Mickey and Mark Lindsay are out on the road. Um, they did the, uh, Peter and Mickey did the Wizard Con in St. Louis. I think they've got one more Wizard Con to do, which sucks because we can't, they're nowhere near where we can go. So right. But it represents my world's coming together, the world of comics, and mm-hmm. the world of the monkeys, which has overlapped many times and in fact yours truly has just finished a one page illustrated story a two page illustrated story for the makers of back issue magazine detailing the monkeys and comic book connection but that will be seen later in the year but no seriously wizard world is really a pop culture comics it is show and they've expanded to have celebrities that are outside of the world of science fiction and comics like mickey and peter yep and although some people say when you listen to their music it is science fiction boom boom <laughs> Uh, and seeing some of the video footage from there, Peter's having a heck of a good time. So, yes. uh, And it's funny because we haven't really heard much from him since the 50th anniversary tour ended. I don't know if he's got a lot of dates with Shoe Slave Blues this year or not yet, so it'll be interesting to see. But since the last podcast, we have also had... Yes. Infinite Tuesdays. That's right. The long-awaited Papa Nez autobiography. And see, Jody, I gave it a plug. <laughs> yes. Um, that reminds me, one of the things that you will get to hear on this episode. Now, since we're recording it, I can't say for sure whether I'm actually getting to ask one of the questions or not. He did. But Nez is doing the uh, promo rounds, the uh, promotional rounds for it. 
Um, one of my very close radio friends, Arrow Collins, who works for a company called rbeats.com. That's R-B-E-A-T-Z.com. It's a musical platform where artists, new artists can put up stuff, and he spends a lot of his time interviewing not only people from the world of entertainment, but authors and actors and musicians and everything. So um, he invited me to be with him because he knows what a huge monkey fan I am. And um, so we got seven minutes with Nez. Uh, we are actually going to feature that coming up in a little bit. We got a couple of interviews for you today, but um, I wanted to thank Arrow for allowing me to use that to plug on here. Again, that's rbeats, R-B-E-A-T-Z.com. And there's a little blurb about it on our newly refurbished Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Facebook site. Group page. Group page. You can get on there and... Be a grouper, a groupie, yeah. You can get involved any way you want. That's right. Well, wait, hold hold, hold a phone there, pal. Gotta be Facebook friendly. Facebook friendly. Oh. Family oriented. Oh, that's right. Well, I have uh, my own private uh, Facebook page I'll tell you about later. This is not like the WWE Attitude Era, okay? Oh, You can't just say or do what you want. So, Mm. but yes, that's coming up in the show. We also have... Uh, what's that guy's name again? Uh, Birch, Puttrick, uh, yeah. Medi, Jimmy, Unst- Jimmy Osmond, no, Melvin, Vandersnoot, Melvin Vandersnoot. That's that, it. That's right. The Monkey's Christmas episode. The rich kid that had everything but love, love, baby. Yes, we met Butch Patrick. He was here locally for the Mad Monster Party just a few weeks ago, and I got him to speak about his Monkey's experiences. And we're gonna have a little story about uh, my own experience with Butch. What he told me privately about the monkeys. That's right. I'm making it sound far more uh, inflammatory than it is. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, just, it's, just, it's just you being you. <laughs> Hint. <laughs> That's but, part of what's coming. But Eddie Munster himself will be uh, filling us in on his monkey's Christmas story experience. Yes, and I want to relate something very... Yeah, I, I want to relate a story that you and I remember from the Mad Monster Party real quick. It is a horror-based film convention. However, this particular convention had as one of its special guests Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian of Star Wars fame. So also Harvey Dent. That's right. In the original eighty nine Batman film. I felt like that that poor actor was robbed. Gail Sayers and Brian Song, Lady Sings the Blues, Mahogany. So So many things. So here's and and of course the spokesman for the Carl W. Stalling album that makes puts Barry White and Anita Baker to shame. That's from that's from a Looney Tunes uh, a Looney Tunes anniversary show. But, um, and of course, Colt 45. So, here I am thinking stupidly, I'm going to sneak in, I'm going to pay enough for a photo op and get Billy D. Williams to talk about, you know, does he have any recollections of the monkeys? Because he was a working actor during the mid-60s. Sure. And recently, it came out of the blue that Mark Hamill has mentioned Mickey Dolan's about, mm-hmm. uh... Probably the tick. Well, no, no. Uh-huh. Um, back when Mark was auditioning, I guess he ran into Mickey, and, and Mickey said, you never know. One screen test can change your life. And bada-boom, bada-bing. Right around the corner for Mark was this little movie called... Star Wars. Right. Uh, yeah, something like that. Sky Luke Walker. Right, that too. So, here I am thinking I'm just going to get 30 seconds worth of stuff from Billy D. Williams or something like that. Well, first of all, photo opportunities were 60 bucks. And that was probably no interaction other than standing leaning in beside him, like you, like the picture you took with Gilbert Godfrey. Right. Oh, we, so, did, we should talk about that too. Do I have to talk? As long as I don't have to talk like Gilbert, okay? That hurts my voice. Now you know I only charge at least when you pay me. I, I give you an autograph. You at least get a handshake. That's so right. I'm a bargain. All right. Yes, you are. You're 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 you're, you're like never mind. He was no um, bargain in the shade either. That's right. So here's the, here's the deal about Billy Billy D Williams. Now, I realize the gentleman is pushing 80. I realize he's been a very big star. So they have these four tables with all this stuff to sign. There's this typical uh, personal assistant there who was a lot like David Spade in the Saturday Night Live sketches. And you are, and he would know you from? Mr. Williams, we back at 12 promptly. So 60 to 80 bucks to buy something to sign. You got it, you got what you, and then you had to pay, or if you brought something on your own. Boy, did so you get you it. Paid, you, you paid the assistant. He put your name on a sticky note, stuck the sticky note on the item, slid it down to Billy D. Billy D signed it, never looked up once, never shook a hand, never spoke. I'm going, I understand the dude's 80 years old, but for crying out loud, that is absolutely the worst. I mean, I, I, I lost a lot of respect for him. I really did. You really felt like you were frozen carbonite after that. Yeah. Kind of Two, three, four. Okay. But no, I'm... But you, 
at, he's at a he's at a he's at a horror film convention. His star has fallen a little bit. Yeah, like I say, he's 80 years old. Right. I guess those royalty checks from Lady Singer Blues and Mahogany are not coming as much anymore. Right. But I was very disappointed with that. And I can see why. Um, otherwise, the show was very, very interesting. For someone like me from the world of comics and like that, it's always nice to get out and uh, get out of your comfort zone, experience something a little different. But I knew Butch was going to be there. We had set up a little interview with him, and I had spoken with him uh, years ago. Uh, yes, tell, a, that, tell that story. They'll, they'll get a kick out. Okay, we'll tell it now instead of later. Um, in 2000, I was a guest at a comic book show called Megacon, a big show in Orlando, Florida. That was so uh, uh, well known back then, and I'm I'm seated behind my little table as a uh, attending comic book professional. I've drawn a few comics in my time, and I, I say to my wife, "Look, here comes. I think that's is that Johnny Whitaker." And she turns she turns to me and goes, "That's Butch Patrick." And Butch approaches me and says, "Anyone sitting next to you? There's no play over where I'm, I'm at." And he's soon to find out there's no play where I'm at either. And he sits next to me, and since hey, I'm homie, don't play that. Homie, don't play that. And since we're on even ground, I say, you know, Butch, I'm a big Monkeys fan. You did the Monkeys Christmas Story episode. Do you have any recollection of that? And Butch said, you know, on the Monsters set, one day I was homesick or I was not on the set for filming that day, and the Beatles dropped by. And apparently Butch was told even one of the Beatles was in his dressing room or took a nap. I think it was Ringo. And he says, even if it was Ringo, and he said, you know what, when the Monkeys... He said, I wondered what that nose print in my pillow... I wonder that that, that, that imprint in my pillow was. It was Ringo's nose. Well, it was a footprint. Um, he says, you know, I missed the Beatles. I'm not going to miss meeting the monkeys. So, yes, I said yes to that role. And he said, you know, during the taping of the show, you know, Davey was very funny. He was very uh, uh, spry. He was jumping around doing things, keeping uh, Butch laughing. Peter, you know, you remember that scene in the toy store? Peter was very anti-war, so he was, you know all about peace and love and just just really nice to be around. Mickey was always making jokes. You know, he had the yo-yo. He was doing things with props. And, and you could see, you know, Butch's eyes glaze over. He was so happy remembering this. And then he, and then Butch continues and he goes, and Mike, Mike, what, Mike, 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 Mike was Mike. <laughs> and I said to him, Butch, I'm a fan. You need say no more. That's right. And that's my famous 2000 story. So now we, now we fast forward 17 years later and us being the inquiring intrepid reporters that we are. From the Texas Chicken Prairie House uh, Home Monkeys Companion. Yeah, what he said. Um, so we go over there and Al makes arrangements and Butch remembers him. So he makes arrangements for us to spend a little time with him. I mean, we got, what, 10 minutes with him maybe, but. I was even compared to Barry Williams. That's right. Is that good or bad? <laughs> Johnny Bravo, yes. maybe. Okay. Yes. So we get there because I and I said you'll you'll hear later on after he talks. At, we talk. Al, I'm I'm recording this and Al's talking to Butch. Al's interviewing him. Ask him about the episode and I said, I said okay, Butch. At the very end, I said okay, Butch. Now you have to clarify something. Define Mike was well. Mike was Mike, and he actually did go into it a little bit more. So yes. you'll hear that coming up. Um, he was a very gracious guy, despite the fact that he couldn't get the mouthful correctly. Well, it's uh, it's still, I still have to have it written down. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah that that's why the promo. That's why we did the promo. I said, no matter how you say it, we know what podcast he's listening to. Yes, indeed. the Texas Chicken Prairie Home Companion. See, but he 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 caught on the Prairie Home Companion thing. But but and the funny, interesting thing about it, and I didn't think I didn't think to even ask her, but Pat Priest, who was Marilyn, was sitting right beside him. And I didn't you know, Al gave uh, Al got a good four or five minutes out of him. Um, I got the land and uh, we got the promo, so that will be coming up later in the show. Um, we also have, uh, thanks to my buddy Errol Collins at rbeats.com, we will have all of the interview that he does with Mike Nesmith, um, concerning uh, promoting Infinite Tuesdays. Now, the book is getting a lot of great reviews so far. Um, the CD is also getting a lot of rave reviews because it is, you know, it's a little bit of everything going back to the, even the 65 days. So I'm anxious to read it. Um, I will say this much. I, I did send Arrow one of the questions that I have written of the 50 for Mike. And I don't know if I'll get the chance to, I don't know if I'm going to get to ask any of the questions or I'm just going to be there. But one of the questions I did press, to, uh, did present to him that he may use is, a lot of people consider him to be a visionary, being one of the pioneers of country rock. 
and of course being the godfather of MTV. The Visionary is my favorite member of the Avengers, by the way. I thought that Visionary was part of the Authority. Uh, or is that hmm. or is that the ultimate ultimateary? I don't. I, I I I don't. It's know. a Marvel comic. So I I just don't. I just don't know. So what I a lot of people consider him to be a visionary. Um, I said, what do you consider a visionary to be? So we'll see if he asks that, and we'll see what kind of questions we we see what kind of answers we got. So you're like us right now. We don't know. You don't know, and it's kind of exciting. And but this we is will being, all know later. This is being this is being pre-taped, so we have premature anticipation. Be careful how you phrase that. Some scenes may have been filmed previously before a live studio audience. That's right. Some scenes pre-recorded. Taped before a live studio audience. Four feet. We have have a couple of four-footed friends in here. Yes, we have dogs invading the studio. And, of course, I'm sure underneath this bed, I'm going to put a... a, Wait. Underneath this chat, I'm going to put a bed of music. Probably, let me think what it will be. Going to buy me a dog. Uh, No. All right. So, what else did you want to talk about? Anything in particular? Well, have you ever noticed when you're in the supermarket, you can't buy peanut butter in those big drums anymore. But you have to like knife the top off. Al, yeah. Al, what in the blue hell does that have to do with the monkeys? I, oh, wait, I, I know. I opened the door. I said, I asked you what you uh, wait, were talking uh, about. Elephants like peanuts. Mm-hmm. Peanut butter is made from peanuts. Circus boy, it's great. It's terrific. It's the best show on earth. You know, it's funny that you should mention Circus yes. Boy. I found, and we will be, we're going to, this is this is what they call a teaser. You found Bimbo. And I found Bimbo's remains. Oh, Ooh, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big bone little baby elephant. Pit. Don't elephants live a long time? Uh, no, Bimbo Bimbo got depressed after the series of cancer. The I saw the true Hollywood smoking, story. Smoking, that's right. smoking, drinking, that Makes kind of thing. Makes Corey Payne look like. No, Corey felt, yeah, whatever. One of, the, one of those Corys. One of the, one of the Corys. We don't care about the Corys. Okay. Um, so we have, as a special treat, one of the special treats we have for you today is going to be a little music, uh, a little additional music lady. All absolutely so, free, as usual. That's right. On, uh, I have found Nikki's earliest recorded singing. Ooh. Not the pre-womb singing, but this is from Circus Boy. I am working on the ultrasound tapes. That's going to be the name of That's the right. uh, album. I'm the ultrasound. Oh, there you go. The ultrasound I sell. But we have a clip of the entire Circus Boy cast singing the Circus Boy theme. How cool is that? That's real. Yeah, yeah. Mickey at seven. And the extra cost to you? Nothing. Not a damn thing, man. Where else can and where else can you hear Mickey Dolan's, Noel Berry Jr., Robert Lowry, and Win Big Boy Williams all singing together? Definitely not anywhere else but here. You fellow comic book fans, Robert Lowry won't tell you here because I'm trying to get you to read this in my back issue feature coming up. But Robert Lowry has a Monkeys Comics connection, and I will say no more. Everybody now runs to Google. But no, that's great. In fact, why don't we play it right now? Hey, Al, I got an idea. Yes. See that button right there? Yes. Mash it and play that song. The big parade. You'll want to hear the Calliope play. It's great, it's terrific, it's the best show on earth, and nothing could top it anywhere. Neither before me, Nella, but they do a lot of clever stuff. There's nothing in this world that can't compare. It's great to make believe that you're the daredevil fellow on the high trapeze. As far above the crowd, you catch your high flying partner with the greatest of ease. Or you can be a clown A funny face or the Pagliacci circus clown Dressed up in those silly clothes With a big red potty nose When the mighty circus comes to town Because it's huge, it's stupendous It's the best show on earth With something that pleases everyone 
Watch the ferocious jungle cats. Thrill of the terrain acrobats. So come along and have a lot of fun. It is grand, it's tremendous, it's the best show on earth. So go by Nick and right away. Today, you'll have a chance to laugh and play. You'll have a heart that's young and gay. And you'll have a happy holiday. It's great, it's terrific. What it's is that? It's a theme song for an old TV series. I know it from somewhere. <laughs> Believe it or not, I found that on YouTube. It's amazing, and that's in you know the the bit at the end where we stuck the monkeys. Thing. It's great. It's what is that? It's the name of old TV show. I know it from somewhere. I thought that was pretty cool. So. That was a very incredible fun. I, I actually did a remix. Well, what do you know about that? Hey, hey that's the real Don Steele, ninety-six KJ with a new Alan Williams remix of the Circus Boy theme, sung live as live as it could get back in nineteen forty-seven. It's great. It's terrific. Here it is. The big new sound. That's right. <laughs> it's the greatest show on earth, aside from my show, the real Don Steele show. That's right. Alan, even while we're recording this moment, I've just got a uh, telegram. I got emails. I've got snail mail. Everyone wants us to get right to and stop teasing the Butch Patrick segment. Well, I didn't know we had any Butch Patrick groupers out there, but yeah, absolutely. No. Um, it's the magic word. That's absolutely. So what you're going to hear is the conversation that we had. Um, we basically converted the video to audio. So Al is conducting the interview, except for the last question. So without further ado or further ado, as I like to say. We present Melvin Vandersnoot, a.k.a. Whatever Happened to Eddie. Take it away, Butch Patrick and Al Bigley. Now you said you missed the Beatles. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was on the Munster. The Beatles came out. Uh, security was so tight for them that they were staying behind the studio gates uh, instead of in the hotel. Apparently, uh, one of them stayed in my dressing room because I had a large dressing room next to Marlon Brando. I used to joke it was probably Ringo. But um, who would have cared? I missed them. They didn't even give me an autographed picture. And then a little uh, later in life, the Monkeys episode came along. At the time, the Monkeys were just as popular, maybe not more popular in America than the Beatles with the TV show. Great. I just want I, so I can so I can make it to the point right. where I can put it. So. Next question. What do you most remember about that experience with the monkeys? Well, you know, probably two things. Mickey and Peter. Mickey was wacky crazy. Peter was probably my favorite because he was kind of like the hippie, uh, the hippie monkey. But um, I remember that I was working a lot and they, they treated me as an equal. I was in a lot of scenes with them. I was in the whole the entire episode constantly. And uh, they treated me really well. And I remember David Jones dating Sally Field and her coming over and her uh, sister with Trill outfit from the flying gun. What about Mike? Any uh, comments about Mike? He was kind of um, distant. That, you know, I mean, he was just the, the thinker. I guess he would be considered the thinker. And he was wonderful, but I got to know him recently, a few years ago, and we uh, hit it off wonderfully. Excellent. Were you yourself a fan of the music of the show before yeah. you were called up? Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge Monkees fan. And it was, that's why it was so exciting for a young kid at 14 to be with these guys for a whole week. And uh, not only be with them, but be, like I said, an equal because I was in pretty much the whole episode. It's a great episode. Any more questions? Was there a was there a particular scene that you enjoyed shooting with them the most? Well, I can tell you a scene that I hated the most. Okay. It was the, the crying scene, you know, because, yeah, you don't cry in the monkey set. So the, the old... <laughs> That was pretty bad. But as far as the most uh, the fun scene was in the toy shop with uh, them all scooting around and the speed the speeded up film and Mickey uh, shooting Peter on the moped and that kind of thing. The romp. The romp. We learned it here. No crying on the monkey set. Yeah, new exactly. rule. Exactly. Very good. Butch, thank you so very much for sharing some time with us. We really appreciate it. You know, one more thing about the episode that I want to point out that if anybody hasn't seen it, they should. It's really cool. Number one, they sing a cappella at the end. We and, then they, and then they break down the fourth wall and they introduce everybody who makes the show so magical for them. And to introduce everybody behind the scenes, I thought was a wonderful thing. So it makes it special. Absolutely. Thank you. You got it. If you liked what you heard, we will hopefully have a link to that so you can see it too. You get to see me standing just inches away from Butch, uncomfortably close. But on TV, I guess you've noticed they stand awfully close because you got to get people in that frame. Well, you know, and, and you had to be careful because you were almost smacked up against the Munster Mobile. That's true. Which is almost as cool as the Monkey Mobile, but missed it by that much. Mm, yes, indeedy. 
Well, they had. It's funny because they had both the Munster Mobile and they had Grandpa's Coffin Mobile. The Dragula. The Dragula, yeah. And I know a lot of those because of the ads on the back of '60s comics, which mm-hmm. I've collected as back issues. They made model kits of those famous show rods. Right. But Butch was great, and we're happy that he uh, uh, gave some time to us and took part in this little excursion of ours. 93 KHJ plays more music. Hi again, everybody. 96 KHJ, the real Don Steele, a.k.a. Alan Williams, here with the boss. Sounds of the boss remix that my boss, Alan Bigley, decided he wanted to play right now. So tell me, Mr. Bigley, what kind of remix do you have for us this week? Do I talk now? Yes, it's your turn, because if you don't, I'll start up again. Oh, this is my remix of Love is Only Sleeping. That's right, and it's only appropriate since we're talking about Infinite Tuesday. We're talking about Nez, because the cool thing about this song is this was supposed to be the lead single from uh, Pisces Aquarius. And Lista still said, I'm sorry, boys, it's not good enough. And what we did get from Pisces Aquarius was later. Later, we would get Daydream Believer. And we, well, Daydream Believer ended up on Birds, Birds and, and Bees. Recorded during these but we had Pleasant Valley Sunday. Right, and words. And words. Yes. This is an amazing song. Also, it was seen as somewhat suggestive by mentioning sleeping and something a lot of people ignore. That little turn of lyric where then I whispered sometimes. Then I whispered. At the end, it's then she whispered sometimes mm. love. Isn't it? So it's her idea. A woman being... Mm. Being forward and aggressive? What? You come a long way, baby. That was that was the summer of love. You know that. That's true. Great psychedelic movement. Great psychedelic song written by Man and Wheel. Mm-hmm. Cynthia. Cynthia Man and Barry Wheel. Yes, I didn't want to. Okay, I mean to sound like it's a law firm or something. <laughs> what I did to it was I've always loved the then new then novel synthesizer on this. I wanted mm-hmm. to take that little ticky tacky sound. No, it's not crickets. Love is only sleeping. People think it's crickets. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start with that and incorporate it throughout the song. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, to bump up the bass. I wanted to put a little more of a ethereal quality toward that middle section. So you're going to hear like little bits from the headquarters section, some chatter, but it's all super echoey and it's kind of ghosted. Yeah, it's a wonder that. Uh, sort of, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to hear extra hand claps, extra percussion. The bass is is, is is bumped up, like I said. And just I wanted to make it just more like an in-your-face, super psychedelic song, which it already was, and just have fun with it. I also wanted to bring back, I know this sounds ridiculous and petty, and nitpicky, this has never been released. When you watch the episode Everywhere a Chic Chic, there's a different mix. At the mm-hmm. end, there's a whole different vocal mm-hmm. wrap-up to the song. I actually just went and cribbed that and stuck it on the and end then, here. Yeah, and they don't they don't have the synthesizer. It just it fades. There's not the synth end to it. Right. So you're going to hear that. I just literally just tacked that on, cribbed from the TV show. Of course, it's a little more complex than that. Did you know just golden Grecian goblets guaranteed graves? Yeah, that's that's not bad. How about this? Rubber baby buggy bumpers. <laughs> rubber baby buggy bumpers. Gabby Jones. Thank you. That's a very nice man to marry my daughter. It, it's fun. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll do a sidebar after the sidebar about that episode. And, well, I was going to bring this up. The monkeys are a struggling group on the show, and yet they're in magazines on the other side of the world to be seen by, yeah. It is amazing. David Jones. He looks like Dad, Dad, Dad Dudley Moore. Uh, are you Dudley Moore? You're, you're making me do these things on the fly, Al. Don't do that. I have to kind of get into the character, don't you know? That's so, right. But... Talking about love is only sleeping. Mm-hmm. Is it sad that the only thing I can think of from remembering that song is those god awful cuffs Nez is wearing under that jacket? A little bit of a uh, dated appearance. That's there. almost as bad as a Seinfeld shirt, but that's another. Possibly, possibly. All right, so, but I, I did this a few years ago. I hope you like it. Here is my remix of. Ladies and gentlemen, this is 96KJ, the real Don Steele with the Boss Temple, the Boss remix of Love is on. Hi, everybody. Once again, once again, everybody, 96KJ, the real Don Steele here playing the Boss House of the Boss remix of that monkey smash. Love is only sleeping. Take it away, Mr. Bigley. Love is only 
said Once I loved, but love is dead And I whispered sometimes Love is only Sometimes love is only sleeping Ruby in this days and nights She could not help but wrap herself in sorrow Ruby in this days and nights We waited for a shining new tomorrow So there it is, and I forgot to mention there was some really cool, really psychedelic backward masking in there. I'm sure you noticed. And also, and I know there's some folks that give Mike a little bit of grief because he wrote so little on that album. Mm-hmm. But I really like to, this is kind of a different vocal performance for him. Yeah. But think of also on that same album, Don't Call On Me, a very mm-hmm. different vocal performance. Salesman's kind of a different way for mm-hmm. him to go. Yeah. And this is, of course, the album where he really shines, mm-hmm. even though he has a lot of cuts on headquarters. But mm-hmm. I really like his vocal. Well, I mean, and of course, there's What Am I Doing Hanging Around, which to me is is the ultimate the ultimate album cut for Nose. And Dorn to Summer is a great mm-hmm. performance. Um, yeah. I just really like his many hats, no pun intended, that he wears in this. I just have one question. Yes. Why in the hell does the ghost of the real Don Steele keep popping up into these episodes? I really don't understand it. Only you it's can like all of a sudden, he is me one of the 96 k the real Don Steeler. Will you get back into that closet in your brain, in my brain here? Thank you. It's just fun to do those old-time radio announcers. Ladies and gentlemen, later we'll have a big contest. Win Davy Jones elevator shoes. I am standing up. All right, folks. Thank you for sticking with us. Let us know what you think about that. Either through our regular Facebook page, now interactive, where you can tell us what you think of that, or our Texas Prairie Chicken blog page. That's right. I like saying that. Blog Blog page. page. (laughs) Blog. And speaking of Papanez, okay, so here we go. And and again, I want to put a shout out to my buddy Errol Collins at rbeats.com. That's R-B-E-A-T-Z.com for allowing me to be a part of this. We have uh, this the entire seven-minute interview or so with Nez discussing Infinite Tuesday, the new biography, and various and sundry other things. So I will be interested to hear what it sounds like because at this point, I have no idea where it's going, but we'll, here it is. This is to share it with you guys so you, you, you can hear Nez promoing the book. You're going to be just as surprised as we are. That's right. Hey, it's Arrow. We're at a Panera Bread in South Charlotte, North Carolina. I am unplugged and totally uncut with Alan Williams, who is one half of a team that has put together something that's quite unique in the way that the way that broadcasting is growing. And and that is the one thing that inspires me most about the human imagination is that we don't settle. And so he's taken something that is is near and dear to his heart, is very passionate about it, and, and he's growing it forward. I'm very pleased to introduce one half of the team that's pretty much brought a monkeys podcast. <laughs> I'm not talking about chimps. I'm talking about monkeys. That would be a double E at the end. That's right. They, hey, hey, we are the... <laughs> we are the monkeys. How, how did this really start? Well, 
to be honest, let me just clarify one thing first. It's not the there are about four or five monkeys podcasts. There's one out there that's called Zilch, a monkeys podcast. That Why is, Zilch? Why Zilch? Zilch was a um, on the third album called Headquarters, mm-hmm. which was the first album that they got musical control over that they were able to go be the monkeys who they really were. There is a spoken word uh, piece on there that is called Zilch, and it's all four of them spouting not necessarily stream of consciousness, right. but just. It starts Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, and it goes on, and the last thing you hear is, zilch, 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 and that's where it comes from. As a matter of fact, uh, that was uh, Davey, in one of the business ventures that he used Monkey Money in, created a boutique called Zilch. Really? Yep. So, um, Ken Mills, who is the uh, director, he also does a KISS podcast. He does three or four, and he's very passionate about the monkeys. He has been very... This... He's helped us get started on this. We're up to episode number eight now, as soon as my partner, Al Bigley, gets those done. Um, it started as a... I, I got to stop you right there, because I think that is the most fascinating thing that a lot of people don't realize when they get it done, because everybody thinks that we're sitting here having a conversation and that it's instantly going to go on like terrestrial radio goes. But the reality of a, of a podcast and, and the growth of a podcast is knowing who your audience is and what, what your audience can take in. And, and especially in this very busy world. I mean, we're surrounded by people all around us, and we're having a conversation here. But the thing is, though, is that to bring that to the listener in an organic way requires post-production. Absolutely. And doesn't that fascinate you, the way that, the way that you're, you're able to? It's, it's almost like putting albums together. It is. And it, 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 like what you do, like what we've done in the past mm-hmm. together, it is almost like album production. You feel like Jimmy Alvine or uh, Mutt Lang or the— Yeah, you the, have to be a visionary. You do. Although I wouldn't exactly no, the, vision, the visionary comes up at, at twelve at twelve oh twelve oh four. But uh, it was I'm an original monkey maniac. You've known me for over twenty five years right. now. You know that this has always been one of my passions. I am a original monkey maniac. I was almost seven when the first show came out. The first thing my mother did the next day was buy me a copy of uh, Last Train to Clarksville and take a giant step wow. forty five. So there are part been a part of my life for fifty plus years. I still turn to their music this day when I'm depressed and I need a pick me up. That's oh, who wow. I listen to. Yeah, and it's not and, and the, the the group solo work and the group's work takes up a majority of my playlist because it's just something I connected with. There's an emotional bond that's been there over that year. So me needing a creative outlet because mm-hmm. the ones we had you and I had together was taken away from us. Well, Terrestrial radio. That's right. So he came to me. Al is a second generation. He discovered the monkeys during the original 70, the mid-70s reruns. Oh. He is a much bigger collector than I am. But the love that I have and the passion that I have for these guys has never ceased. It's on a par with him. So he decided, why don't we do a podcast one day? Mm-hmm. So we got together the idea. It's called the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast. Why such a long name in this generation where we can't even remember websites? Because it, it's all in the spirit of it. Because okay. it, it's zilch is easy to remember because it's one thing, but the it comes from two things. It is a it, I will admit it was a play on Prairie Home Companion, right, right. Um, the Great Garrison Keeler NPR radio series. But in the second season, one of the recurring lines that Mike Nesmith would use would be to reminding you to save the Texas Prairie Chicken because there actually is a Texas Prairie Chicken that's on the endangered oh, list wow. in Texas. So that's always been one of my favorite lines. So I wanted to wait, and the, the Prairie Home Companion fixing, fitting in there made it catchy in my mind. But, you know, like you always told me, I don't write for a Twitterverse. <laughs> I've never, I'm old school, and I mean old. But, yes, that's, that's where it started. So we sat down. We recorded at his home in Monroe in his little study where he is. A, he's a comic book artist by trade. So he oh. ha- the room is full with comic collectibles. He has a comic book rack that has comics in it. <laughs> so we go in there and we record and, and be silly. And we've done, we've just recorded the seventh and eighth episodes that he's putting together right now. We talk about topics that are uh, the monkeys. We, the last two podcasts, we've reviewed two of the albums. The last two albums, or the next to the last two albums, Pool It, which really started a Kardashian like fight <laughs> between them. It, it's very polarizing because it was, <clears throat> beg your pardon, it was the first album that they did after the comeback in 86 and it was very slickly produced it was more like one of the first two albums mm-hmm. now in the monkeys community you have those that t- like the kirshner stuff the more the monkeys and the more of the, the right. kirshner slick right. pop produced right <clears throat> then you have guys like us who like the entire catalog but pick it up at headquarters which was the garage band type album 
So we reviewed Pooh-It. There were a couple of songs that I don't particularly care for on that album, and it just started a maelstrom of, well, what do you mean you don't like Pooh-It? What is this, that, and the other? It's a beautiful... So, and I didn't say I didn't like it, so... So it's almost like Kiss fans where, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the early stages of Kiss. I picked it up when, I think, when the rest of the world did, which was uh, during Destroyer. And with Kiss, I mean, it was, it was, I bought the 45 Beth, mm-hmm. you know, but when I turned that thing over and heard Detroit Rock City, suddenly my life changed immediately, right. you know, and, the, and, that, and that, that's what's really interesting because you, you guys are talking about a band that was all about marketing, was all about showmanship. And, it, and, and so while you were sharing that story, I'm going, man, my band is the same exact way. You know, later on today, it, we're, we're just a few hours away that, that you and I are going to be talking with Mike Nesmith yep. of, of the Monkees. Um, I know what you've you've experienced and what you've read and how you've been to the concerts and everything like this and you've been you've been definitely a passionate fan about that. But this time around, we're going to be talking to the author side of mm-hmm. Mike Nesmith. Maybe not the monkey, but the author. What what is it that you're expecting him to say or hear or or for him to react to? Well. I'm, truth be told, I think he's expecting monkey questions. Really? Because of the fact that that's who he's associated with the most. People will ask about Jimi Hendrix. They'll ask about the comparison and, and being with the Beatles. You know, he, he tells the story, you know, John, or they tell the story that John was the one that actually compared them to the Marx Brothers. So, but he and John were kindred spirits. And he says, um, the, and he talks about it in the book, that one of the things that he wrote John a letter and said, God is love, is how he signed it. Mm-hmm. And that's what caught John's attention. But... You know, this this is a career that is a multimedia, multifaceted career. He's not, you know, the monkeys was two years, but it's carried on for fifty years. He's a he's a you know, he's he's executive produced produced movies, Tapehead, Re, Tapehead's Repo Man. Uh, he executive produced the Lionel Richie music video um, all night long that was yeah. a huge hit in the eighties. Uh, he did. Uh, he won the first video Grammy for Elephant Parts. So this he and he's. But you the, think he wants to talk about that today? And and the reason why I bring that up is because I've always you know everything that I've you know been you know trained I guess to do is forward motion, mm-hmm. and and it's like trying to figure out what what you know what is his current forward motion. You know, you say that he's an innovator and everything like that. I would want to ask what what are you inventing right now? Is is this book an opportunity for you to clean out your closet? So you can put more junk in. I think that's an excellent, uh, an excellent approach because, yes, I think this is, as we talked about earlier with the loss of David Bowie and Jay Giles recently, right. all, the, all the names that are coming up from the 60s and 70s, you, you, you made the comment that it may, may have thought it in time for me to put, to, to put out the word. A and legacy I, chaser. And I agree. I think this is his, um, I think this is his garage sale. Yeah. Of the mind. He's clearing out his mind to move forward. I mean, he's 73, but he's still sharp as attack. Uh, he is, this, this man has been a part of a think tank. This man has been uh, a member of the American Film Institute. So there's so many things that he loves. He's such a, a multifaceted person. He's not just a monkey. He's not just the guy that wore the wool hat. Yeah, and, and the thing that, that, that's fascinating about him is the fact that he hasn't stopped. A lot of people, uh, when they, they get wrapped into one thing, mm-hmm. and, and they, they don't grow out from it. And he was never a, the type of guy that, that stopped at, at I'm, I'm a monkey, okay, the show is gone, I'm gone too. That, that is what inspires me about him, because that, that's a guy that believes and has faith in his, in his creativity. I want to tap into that guy. That's like the day that when I sat down with Gene Simmons. Um, you know, it started off, the conversation was, was very one-on-one in the way, you know, we're going to be in this town tonight, we hire all veterans, blah, 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 blah. I go, congratulations, Gene, but I want to talk to the Gene Simmons that goes into those hospitals and looks eye-to-eye with somebody who has just lost their legs in Afghanistan and Iraq. And that very second is when Gene became the human being I wanted to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, I, you know, what I'm looking forward to in Mike is that I know you're a showman, but I really want you to just take your jacket off and have a conversation with Alan and I. Yep. And it's it's going to be great. You know, like I said, this as I've told you, this completes my monkey's grand slam. Is mon- <laughs> Nez is the only one I've never met. But we have a lot of we we. You know me. I am as silly as they come, and there's a lot of shtick. Silly or insane? Yes. <laughs> but we have Al and I have a lot of fun. We we will go off topic like that exactly. But, but that we're discussing things. That's the thing that we. It comes from the heart. When we talk about we talk about the the ninety six CD justice, mm-hmm. I have an issue with the record company because there was some good songs on it. It never got promoted, but I don't know whether it was the band's decision or Rhino Records' decision. But there, we can look back with hindsight and see where we would we personally would have done things. But there's just something about you know I hate to use the cliche they're too busy singing to put anybody down, right. but 
there's just something feeling good. There's just a feel good about the guys and the music they produce. That's some, the, the television show is always going to be shown. But I lean more toward the music. That's where I my emotional connection is. That's interesting that you bring that up because yesterday I was I was uh, talking with the guy who plays Bruce Wayne on the on the TV show Gotham City, and I said, you know, at your age, are you thinking about who's going to be watching this show 25, 30 years from now? And he says, you know what, I have to think like that. Mm-hmm. And 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 he says that that he realizes that a show of this magnitude is going to have impact. I would I would be interested to to find out how my if Mike knew. While, while they were putting that show together, which was basically a spoof of, of, of the Beatles, um, did, did he know that it would still be on MeTV and Antenna TV and stuff like that? That's a very good question because, to be honest with you, when it, came to, when it got to the point where he was so fed up with the, with the aspect of the show, everything about the show, that's why he bolted in 60 and he never really... It wasn't – because we talk about the forward-thinking thing. That was why he was always looked as a guy that never wanted to come back because he's not really one to be retrospective. Right. He's always pushing forward with the country rock. He goes in you – know, he cut, cut country rock albums with the first national band, then went into his solo stuff, which was, went from country to rock. Uh, the Prison, which is one of the most unique things, was the first thing to come out with a, an accompanying book that you read the book and you listen to the music. And he's always just been that forward thinker. That's why he got involved with AFI, and that's why he got involved with the Think Tank. Well, look, look at what he's doing with, with in, uh, Infinite Tuesday. He's mm-hmm. also putting an album, a, a vinyl album, as well as a mm-hmm. CD collection of all of his hits with it. I mean, so he definitely understands that process. He has been involved with virtually every genre that there is. I mean, you talk about this. We talk, well, even though he didn't write it, you talk about the monkey song, Stepping Stone, being performed right. by the Sex Pistols. You look at Run DMC, who liked Mary Mary enough to remake that, and they're sampling Mickey's vocals in it. But he's always been, what was it? Oh, um, Mary Mary was originally recorded, recorded in by the British Butterfield Blues Band. And people used to talk to him, Paul Butterfield, about that. And he said, no, it's Mike Nesbitt. Wrote, you, wrote, you recorded a monkey song? <laughs> so, yeah, but... He's always been that forward thinker. He's he is he is an intellectual to me. Well, because I re- that was one thing that inspired me as a kid is that they uh, a lot of people realized in the very beginning days that they they didn't play their own instruments, but they but they did learn to play their instruments, and they they took a bubblegum band and they turned it into a band. Yep. And because you know who wants to be the laughing stock? I mean, that'd be like somebody looking at us going. I mean, eventually they you know, right now they laugh at us because we're sitting here doing podcasts, mm-hmm. and, and but yet we will find the platforms. But where are those people going to be when we locate the platform? and they're having bigger success than us. Absolutely. Somebody has to open the door, and I think that the Monkees did that. They opened up the door for a lot of bubblegum acts that took an opportunity to, to find success for themselves. Well, if you look at we discussed this. The group, to me, to group is the very first video rock band. Right. It's also the very first infomercial, if you think about it, because you've got a 30-minute advertisement for <laughs> Monkees music right. engulfed in a sitcom. Right. But it's like Mickey. Mickey used to used to use the uh, metaphor that it's like Leonard Nimoy really becoming a Vulcan. Well, I look at it more as a Pinocchio. They were started as this television show about a struggling rock group. The groundswell and the uh, adoration of the fans and the the popularity caused them to morph like Pinocchio from a puppet to a boy <laughs> from a from a television band lip syncing on TV to a real performing band. I mean, you know, they they performed. They performed in front of uh, 30,000 people at the Miss Hawaiian uh, pageant in 66. Their very first thing, couldn't hear a note. But then, when you think about it, they introduced Jimi Hendrix to the United States. Well, Jimi Hendrix played here in Charlotte, and they booed him off the stage. Yep. And, and that, was, that was one of those moments where you know, they had to rethink the plan. But, I mean, they had to, why was that tour even put together? Because at that point, they were trying desperately to go from a bubblegum band to okay. being a, a recognized. Yeah, they're trying, trying to transition. If you listen to the third and fourth albums and the fifth album, you see that the direction the music takes right. becomes more psychedelic. And they were desperate. And Mickey saw Hend- Mickey was the one who got them to hire Hendrix. And he said, this is the guy we need to take to help us be recognized at the next level. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when you've got 20,000, 25,000 pink arms going, we want baby Foxy. <laughs> we want Mike Foxy. Mom, uh, Mickey right. t- Mom, why is that man setting his guitar on fire? Well, I, honey, I guess he's cold. But, but Mom, why is that man peeing on his guitar now? I guess he wants to put the fire out. But let's talk about <laughs> your podcast so. in the way that uh, you, know, you say that you're eight shows deep into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the... 
if I were to show you how many shows I've done, uh, I, I, and, and I think that from a broadcaster to a broadcaster, what are you going to do on show number 3015? What, how do you make this grow forward, or do you start having spin-off episodes? Uh, well, by the time uh, it's episode 3015... It's I only will, three years, man. I, I, I will probably be 94 and in a wheelchair saying, what do you want? No. To be truthful, my friend, you know how I am. I haven't plotted that out. I'm taking it one show at a time. Right. Because a lot of podcasts die very quickly. Very quickly. Very quickly. So we are doing our... Because there's such a body of work over 50 years with the group and Solo and the TV show and the actors involved and, and all that... We just got done. Uh, our, our first big interview was Mickey's sister, Coco. Right. We just uh, spent a few minutes with Butch Patrick, yeah. who was on one of the second season shows. We have people that we want to talk with. And eventually, you know, we want to talk to Peter, Mickey, and, and, and Mike, whether that'll happen. You know, if it's meant to be, it'll be. But there are so many other ancillary people that we may get to 3,000, but I'm pro- we're progressing it. We're just having fun with it right now. It's a hobby. Right. If it gets to episode 500... Then I'll look at it more and go, geez, we've got 500 of books? <laughs> Did I ever tell you my Peter Turk story? Now tell me your Peter Turk story. So I, we were on the, I was on the Pam Stone show, mm-hmm. syndicated, and, and I, I walked, because at, at the radio station that I was at, what, yes. what happened is you had to walk across the lobby to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I, it was a break time, so I, I, I walked through, the, through the, the lobby, and there was Peter Tork on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the sofa, um, waiting to get in to go talk to somebody on the AM station. Yes. And so then I went back in the studio, and, and Pam goes, well, did you, did you see anything? I said, there's a monkey on the couch. <laughs> and she goes, there's a what? I said, there's a monkey on the couch. And, and, and I said, really, it's Peter Tork. And she goes, go get him. Mm-hmm. So, so I went out there, not, not even thinking about that. He was there to talk with somebody else mm-hmm. in, in the building. Yeah. And, and what happened was, is we brought Peter in. We were having a great interview with Peter Tork. And, and the AM jock that was supposed to have him came busting into our studio. And I thought that it was going to break out in an all-out war. <laughs> the Atorcalypse. You thought the Atorcalypse had come? <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad pun. But, but it's, it, that, That's that, cool, yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, I thought that, you know, that what, if, if you're going to invite a monkey to your party, let everybody else have a part of that monkey. Absolutely. And, and, and that, I think that's one of the things that, that opened up my eyes with, with doing the podcasting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I'm never afraid to share the microphone with anybody well, because I, it's, it's not my show. It's our show. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things you and I have been, we, like I said, we've been friends for 25 plus yeah. years now. And this sharing it, you interviewing me, this is, this is a highlight to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, don't for, know, I don't know what you're talking about. I call it a conversation. Oh, no, we're having a conversation. Whatever you want. You know? Okay. So what is, what is the best way for someone to find out about, about your podcast? Do you have a website? What's going on? The best way to find us is to look us up on Facebook. It is the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Hmm. We have a like page and we've just converted it to a group. You can also search on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, I know this, these numbers are going to pale to what you've done, but I just checked the other day, find the first six podcasts on SoundCloud because that's all iTunes never gives numbers. Exactly. Uh, we're up above 2,500 listens for you all know, six podcasts, which is, do to you me have, is amazing. Do you have more than one? Do you have more than one listen? Yeah. Okay, congratulations. Congratulations. Because you know what? There's a lot of people that say they can do what we do, mm-hmm. but they don't get one lesson. That's true. So, so you know, growing forward and growing outward is the big thing. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, we're having fun with it, Al. You know, take your time getting seven and eight ready. So, you know, they've been waiting patiently. But, you know, it, it, like I say, I still, we, we say thank you every, every time we close it to Ken Mills at the Zilch Podcast and the Kiss Cast because he was the one who helped us a lot. And we're going to keep doing it as long as I can keep coming up with stuff to say off the cuff. Hey, Arrow, it's Mike. I'm going to switch Michael Nesmith. Okay, Arrow, go ahead with Michael Nesmith. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Eclectic and electric. You have an imagination uh, that never turns off. How is it that you find enough air to breathe into it? <laughs> well, you stumped me. <laughs> we aim to please, Papa. We aim to please. This book is, is such the I, I love the idea that you took us in there to talk about your uncle and, and his rare form of, of cussing. And, and the thing is, is it may, I, I had to put the book down because I started laughing at the way that you, you described that. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good report. <laughs> Nez, what, uh, this is Alan. I'm Arrow's partner, by the way. Um, hey, Alan. Uh, nice to meet you. Finally, um, you've gone from Neptune Zamora to American Gene and now 
Infinite Tuesday. What prodded you to finally open up the doors and say, here I am, America, this is who I, this is, this is me? Well, first I had to grow up. So, you know, this wasn't a book I could have written 25 years ago. And second of all, um, there's been a wind at my back since, you know, day one that's been salutary and blessed and just always seemed to be blowing the right way. Uh, right being, uh, you know, happy and and uh, and glad. And it's, uh, so I thought, well, I should probably take a look at some of these things that's blown this boat past and, and and try to write it down and get it ready to uh, uh, for other people to read, but I can't. I don't. I didn't keep a diary, and I and I'm not. You know, I don't want to write just a, a biography. You know, I was born in the poor dirt farms of the such and such, and so I wasn't just wasn't going to do that. And so I thought, well, just tell it like you would be telling a bunch of people at a picnic. And the problem was, of course, well, I don't remember anything. I mean, I remember some stuff. And, well, you don't have to remember any of it. The muse said, you can just remember what you got and just put it out there. You know, that's the way Fellini did Amarcord. And I thought, hot dog, that's what I got. I can, I've got my, my steak, my tent steak, and I can use that. And that'll make all of these things kind of come together in a way that'll make sense of them the way they've made sense to me. And I can kind of stay out of it. And and then it was like, well, you got to tell your story. You can't keep anything hidden. You got to be really candid and just, you know, right there on the right there at the pick table. And I, I had to make that agreement, which I did. <laughs> and pretty soon, you know, off off to the races. It was like, yeah, okay, you know, as long as you're straight and as long as you're, you know, telling it like you remember it, then you're good to go. Just write it down and have a good time, and maybe it'll get. Maybe it won't. And sure enough, here you and I are talking about it. So good, 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 for, good for all of us. Absolutely. <laughs> now, now, the one thing that I've learned about being an author is the fact that when, when you release the books or the pages, it cleans out the closet. Your imagination is now open for you to go and invent something now. What, what is that oh, next thing? Wonder. I just wonder. I mean, it could be so much fun. I mean, what I've been working on most recently is virtual reality, which I love. And uh, I like the high-tech business, you know, because I watched the counterculture turned into the cyberculture and saw that morph, and that was a big morph. You know, that was a 50-year morph. I thought, God, this is cool. And um, um, as I've seen that happen, and I've seen these huge tools, or I should say these powerful tools, come into being and, uh, you know, create things like the Tesla, I'm thinking, oh, this is not a bad life to be living. And... um, I, I'm just looking for stuff like that to, to fall in the door. But right now, I'm just watching virtual reality and seeing where that leads. Well, Video Ranch 3D is one tremendous thing, and that leads me to my next question. A lot of people do consider you to be a visionary. I mean, when you talk about being one of the pioneers of country rock, one of the pioneers of video music, and now virtual reality, because I've been at Video Ranch 3D, and I love it. What do you consider to be a visionary? Well, I don't know that the word visionary is uh, is really got enough traction to to say what most people mean when they use it. I think visionary just means you're able to see. But a lot of people, you know, when people say that, they mean you can see the future. And I don't think you can see the future. I don't. The future we make up as we go along, and that's okay. I like the future being fiction because that means it can be anything you want it to be. And that just fits with my whole idea of, uh, you know, uh, infinite possibilities. Uh, but that those infinite possibilities start from the present. So I always start, I don't, I, I think a visionary is somebody who can really see what's going on around them. And in the present tense, right where they sit. Where even if they're in the middle of a, you know, what appears to be a hopeless situation, they start to see other things. And, um... I, I don't, you know, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of those folks out, but you can tell them because they're they're pretty. Um, what, what's the word? Well, uh, jolly. They're you know they're jolly. Fun, fun to hang out with. Douglas Adams was my best friend the last ten years of his life, and he was jolly. You know, he was just he was a funny guy, hanging out with him. And the people that I knew in the book, I kind of tended to stay towards the guys I knew that were jolly. You know, and 
that's that's where it, that's one of the things that it circles around. Is is that one but of the I'm, reasons why? Is that one of the reasons why you said that Jimi Hendrix lived in real time? Because and, and you, you're realizing that, or you have realized that. Um. Well, say that again, so I'm sure I understand what you're saying. Well, you, you said that you, the, that uh, Jimi Hendrix rose to a level of play because he was available to those who lived in real time, and 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 the way that you just described the being jolly is you're 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 teaching us how to live in real time. Well, well, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> I don't mean to. Uh, <laughs> no, we're jolly. We're jolly. <laughs> You have, Niz, you have honestly no idea, Niz, you have no idea how jolly I am at the moment, to be perfectly honest. Well, that was, you know, that was one of, that was one of the allure of drugs, you know, especially marijuana and LSD during the 60s. It's like, this is fun. But with Hendrix, what I was talking about with Hendrix, Hendrix was performative. That's what I was saying. You know, he was making stuff up as he did it. And by making stuff up, I mean it really in the most literal sense of that phrase. He he created stuff right there on the stage. But the performative sense, you know, is, is somebody says, I hereby declare this bridge opened, and then by that statement, the bridge is open. That's a performative sentence. Where Hendrix did that musically. And I think we can do that you know, with our lives at any given time, if we if we'll just let go of the uh, strains and the stresses and the worries and so forth, and by letting go, I mean really just let go. You go, ah, okay, I don't want to talk about it. You know, just toss it. And <clears throat> there's something so salutary about that and so beneficial about that that ideas open up. So it's not that you are opening up the ideas by tossing these these. Uh, things away that are that are problematic. It's that by tossing them away, you clear the air so that you can see what's actually there. And that's a, a you know that's pretty easy to do. You just have to make the decision to do it. Well, it's it's a beautiful book for fans as well as new fans that are coming in. And both of us can't thank you enough. Very quickly, Nez, i got to ask you this. Uh, I harken back to the Monkey's Tour episode where you sat on the stage and were looking out in high school and said, someday, man, someday. Did someday finally happen for you? <laughs> well, that's a great question. But I, and, I'm, and there's an answer for it, but there was an answer for it back then. There is no someday. We're living in someday. I love it. Does that make sense? It you does. see what I'm saying? It does. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. Okay, partners. Talk to you soon. Thank you for sticking by us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully, this will actually be an episode under three or three, four hours. That's right. Can you so, imagine? Listen, it, like I said, if you want to check the book out, the name of the book is Infinite Tuesday. Uh, there's actually a CD that goes with it. You can order it from Amazon. You can order it. I would order it from Video Ranch 3D because there's always the possibility you could get it signed, too. So That's always a good thing. And, and, and Inez's signature is always a good thing. Mike may handle your actual order. You know how your sons pay for shipping and handling? What if Mike is the one doing the, quote, handling? Well, he has to handle it to sign it. I mean, seriously. Well, that's true. I'll sign about seven of these, and I'm going to go out and (laughs) maybe write a new song. There you go. Uh, Well, that wraps up another fun-filled episode number eight of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast. We want to thank you guys for hanging out, giving us the support, and as always, feel free to begin the shout-out. Once again, thanks to the monkeys themselves, the great music, the great performances. We'd like to thank the Rolling Stones for being a great group. We'd like to thank the Beatles for starting... Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I got, I got, I, I got, I got stuck in the... Let's do it again. Episode. I'm sorry. That's a groovy button. No, I know. It. Um, yes. Um, plus, uh, more locally, Ken Mills for all his support. Everyone that does a monkeys podcast and has helped so much. Melanie Mitchell, uh, Susan Clark at the Zilt. Sarah Zilt, Clark. Sarah Clark. Susan Clark, throw her in too. Why That's not? Right. Everybody. I'm sure there's a Susan Clark out there. So, but again, we now have the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion group page. So you're more than welcome to say, "Hey, I want to be a part of this." You can post your pictures like you do in other groups, like you do in the Zilch group. You can leave your comments of how bad you think my impression of the real Don Steele is, or any of the other stuff that we do. But you know what's really funny? We left Statler and Waldorf out this time, which is good. I like it. We, we got to give them a break because they're, what, 142 years old apiece? Wake me up when this is over. That's right. So, but as always, go to the page, request me. We are approving everybody. So you can become more interactive with us, more interactive with all monkey, with more Monkeys fans. 
and it's the place to be now. We will be shifting from the like page to the group page shortly to give you time to get used to it. So, um, You can even request remixes you might want to hear. I probably don't have them, but there's still a bag full of the ones I've done previously, so you never know. Is that like a bag full of shh with your name on it? Something like that. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Now, we also want to talk a little bit about uh, one of the upcoming other projects we have. Uh, we have one of the greatest, most well-known Monkees fans in Fred Velez. True. Fred Velez will be joining us sometime in the near future. We're working out schedules. Al's going to end up doing that interview on his own because it's, he's mostly available on Mondays. But, Fred, we've not forgotten you. We're looking forward to getting you on. Fred has the author of the book, A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, The Monkees from a Fan's Perspective. Right. And he is uh, a former MBF correspondent, worked with Maggie McManus. We can talk, we're going to talk to him about that. We're t- I can't wait to hear some of the stories about the conventions, though. That, that's going to be very interesting. Right. And Fred, like you and I, goes back pre-86. So he remembers how it was when this was just not done. That's right. Which makes it interesting. So, Do you want to do the disclaimer? I would be more than happy to. Let me do, let me do the raw radio voice. The, monk, the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast is a podcast by Monkeys fans for Monkeys fans. In no way, shape, or form are they affiliated with Michael Nesmith, Mickey Dolans, Peter Tork, the late David Jones Estate, uh, Rhino Records, any of the publishing, the book publishing companies, Video Ranch 3D, Jody Ritson, Ken Mills, anybody. We are not affiliated with anyone in any way, shape, or form. This is a labor of love for us to show, to share our thoughts, our views, our memories of the Monkeys with you the Monkees fans, the greatest fan base in all of music. It's all for entertainment purposes. It's all for your entertainment purposes. You don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. Capiche? Capiche. Very good. So, until next one will be number nine. Number nine? Now, just remember, when you do that, you've oh, got God, to speak like John. Number nine. Number nine. Just like that. This is Al Groucho Marx Bigley. And this is Alan Zeckenbush Williams. That's easy for you to say. Reminding you to do something. Save the Texas Prairie Prairie Chicken. chicken. Hey, that's a groovy button.